guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Tia Johnston. Hi! <laughs> I'm so excited. Why does it feel like it's been like a century? I think it's only been a year, but so much has happened. I know. Well, I mean, so much has happened and yet it feels like we are sort of in the same spot that we were January 17th, 2021. I mean, yeah, I'm still sitting at home with my dogs, so. <laughs> same. Um, it literally has been just about, I think, almost a year on the dot since you were last on the pod. Uh, can we catch up on your life real quick? Uh, absolutely. I do want to preface by saying we've moved to like two different locations in a year and my podcast mic did not make that move so if the audio is really bad it's because i'm using my mac microphone um hopefully matt can edit this to make it sound good but that's why i sound really bad right now to all you listeners (laughs) thanks in advance to matt MVP. Also, sorry. Um, all right. So you have been all over the place. I think you're back in Ohio now, but how is Houston? Houston is good. Um, I have grown up in the Midwest my whole life and then moved to Philadelphia. So this is like the farthest West I've ever been. And it's hot and like big and flat and that's kind of all I have to say about Houston. I will say I miss Philly so much. Like I am such a city person. Houston is a city, but it's not the same. Um, and I we like our friends there, like from the Texans and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's temporary. So we'll live with it. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, when we lived in San Antonio, it was just very shocking that it was never – actually cold no but like not in a good way like when we moved in July of 2013 it was 120 degrees and I was like this is unbelievable I was like suffocating it was like it's like how people get in the winter sometimes where they don't leave their house but it you don't leave your house because it's so hot and I'd rather it be too cold like I'm one of those psychos who's like give me 30 degrees over 100 any day so I'm also one of those psychos, which I think is why we get along. Um, but on to more positive things about Houston. Tell me about your doggos. My doggos. They're so good. They're, they happen to love the warm weather. This is their first time having a backyard. So we like never see Buddy anymore. He just sits out there with his squirrels and comes in for dinner and then goes to bed. <laughs> Oh my god. So yeah, they're good. And I I I know we talked about this before we started recording, but your dog and kitties are doing well too. Yes. Our kittens are I guess they're technically not kittens anymore, but they're always going to be kittens. It's they're fine. Always um yes, but they're officially like a year and three months old. We will have had them for a full year in like two weeks. Um I just realized that and I think I need to plan a party. You definitely do. Yeah, but they're doing great. Uh, Ruthie is the best big puppy sister that these little kittens could ask for. (laughs) So yeah, we're just 
just living the dream. Uh, Ruthie has a fur coat, so she doesn't mind the Chicago winter so much. Um, yeah. She's used to it. Still getting still getting all our WALKs in. <laughs> she's clearly in the room. <laughs> <laughs> she's right behind me. Um, yeah. So, Tia, you are enjoying the start of the off season, but I do have to say that my favorite moment from the Texan season this year was the Bill Burr <laughs> moment. Oh my God. Okay. So here's the thing. He has gotten that for years. Like as soon as he signed with Philly, like four years ago, all the Philly fans put that together, but it wasn't until like, I don't know who, oh, Barstool or somebody tweeted it out. And then it just blew up. And we were like, People are just now catching on. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, they look alike. Like, they're spot on with that comparison. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was just, the like, it was the best. It was getting, I, mean, I was seeing it everywhere. Like, <laughs> like feel free to so post the comparison in the, in the podcast article. Because, like, it is, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, because it's viral. But... Um, Pat McAfee reached out because he had Bill Burr on the show and he reached out to Cam to also come on the show, I think to be like there with Bill Burr and he turned it down. But I was like, oh my God. gosh, Cam, <laughs> I know we love Pat. <laughs> I think my favorite, the favorite, my favorite part of the whole situation was, uh, my darling husband, I showed it to him. And so he like Googled it. And the first article that came up was from France. Uh, the second one that came up was from Australia. Uh, and then the third one was from the US. And he was like, oh my gosh, he's famous on three continents. Um, so. He's gone. Yeah. I'm like, I love that that's the reason why you've gone viral. <laughs> well, Speaking of a reason why in he's viral in my heart, how many puppies <laughs> did you and Camp save this year? Uh, 45, which is wild because last year I think we saved 23, 24. So like I, I guess it was because he punted so often. I guess for people who don't know, we save or we pay the adoption fees for a dog every time Cam gets a punt inside the 20. Um, so he had 45 inside 20s, essentially. Um, yeah, Houston SPCA is has just been so great with all that. So it's so exciting. The dogs last like two days at Houston SPCA too. Like I, I will like go in and meet them and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> That's how it is. I got to volunteer at our local shelter on Saturday and there were six eight-week-old oh. black lab puppies and the biggest one was five and a half pounds and she was the biggest one by a long shot. Oh, and I was like, I'm never going to see any of you again. Oh, no. <laughs> You're not going to be gone, like, maybe by the end of my shift. Exactly. Like, it's it's a good thing, but I'm like, I would love to come back tomorrow and meet you, but no. Nope. Like, hang out for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, thanks for... <laughs> Thanks for catching us all up on your life. Uh, we also have a lot to catch up on in the sports world. So we might as well start off with an exciting list that ESPN published on the highest paid female athletes. 
starting with Naomi Osaka, who made $57.3 million last year. That's incredible. I mean, for women, like that's a big step. I guess we will just jump to the highest paid male athlete for comparison is Connor McGregor, who netted $180 million. Um, but nevertheless, that's huge for Naomi. So um, I, I don't know what it is about tennis, though. Like majority of women on this list are tennis players. Yeah, I think it was the top four uh, were all tennis players. And then we moved into LPGA, a couple Olympians, and then some more tennis players. Yeah. And then Um, I think it's hilarious that there is one WNBA player, Candace Parker, who has a total earnings of $5.7 million. The, The lowest paid players in the NBA probably make that per game. (laughs) <laughs> and yes, Candace Parker at that salary and with all of her sponsorship was 10th on the list of highest paid female athletes. Uh, but no, I completely agree. You would think that like Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi with all of their Olympic golds and their continued success in the NBA, and you're finally starting to see them in sponsorships as well, along with Candace Parker, um, you'd think that their earnings would be higher as well. Uh, again, just by comparison, the highest paid male athlete in the NBA is, of course, LeBron James, who makes $96.5 million per year. Yeah. Roughly 20 times as much as Candace Parker. Right. Which, I mean, we all, we all know the NBA, WNBA, you know, gap, but I guess tennis though, like, you know, you're not sharing any of that money like Candace and NBA players, WNBA players have to share it with the rest of the team. And then Naomi, like she has all eyes are on her. I mean, same, especially Serena Williams too, who was next on that list with 45.9 million. This is kind of unrelated, but did you watch um, King Richard? Is that what no, it's but it's on the list. I just refuse to see movies in movie theaters. We, so. we, we didn't see it in movie theater. I forget what we watched it on. It, can I stream this like now? Yes, we did. Okay. Okay. It is <laughs> I'm going. phenomenal. Like, I I am not a movie rewatcher. I would rewatch this like four times. For those who don't know, it's about Serena Williams and Venus Williams and their dad and like how they became who they were. And their dad is played by Will Smith. It is so good. Oh my gosh. And then you you just like, I've never been that into tennis or like kept up. I I've watched Serena Williams obviously and Naomi, but to see like how they got to where they were, it's incredible. Yes, I'll watch it this weekend. I promise. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know it was available to you. <laughs> this is my error. I mean, unless we Please. bought it, but I'm pretty sure we streamed it. As long as I don't have to travel to a theater. I already did that once this year and now I can't do it for like 10 more years. That's my quota. <laughs> Uh, Venus Williams was number three on the list, but what was really interesting is the drop-off after Serena. Um, Serena, as Tia mentioned, made nearly $46 million last year. Venus made closer to 11. Um, and then it was, you know, three through 10 on the list. Uh, so while we've certainly seen the star power of Naomi and Serena, especially in the last couple years, uh, hopefully we will see 
the rest of these female athletes start to get lifted up as well because a rising tide should lift all boats. Exactly. I think it's wild also that, I mean, in the top 10 overall athletes, like there are no women. Like it has been argued that Serena Williams and Simone Biles are the best athletes, not like best at what they do, best athletes in the world. And they're not even in the top 10 paid. So we need to start like matching that to what they've accomplished because I totally agree with that. Like I, I don't watch Connor McGregor and that sport. Like I, I don't understand it, but I'm like, Serena Williams deserves more. I don't care. <laughs> and just as an aside, so Simone Biles, uh, was number four on the list, earning $10.1 million per year. And it's like, she was literally the most famous person in America four years ago and this year as well, this year being 2021, because I'm not there yet. Um, And yet she makes less than most of the famous male athletes that you think about. And even some mediocre male athletes as well. Suni Lee, who may have surpassed Simone Biles in fame at this past Olympics, wasn't on the list at all. But as an aside, did you see that she made her collegiate debut at Auburn? Yes. That is so funny to me, like watching these athletes go back to their colleges. Can you imagine going against her? Like what? That has to suck. (laughs) I feel like I, when I used to like cover Ohio state wrestling, when I interned for Big Ten and Kyle Snyder would go up there and I'm like, this poor kid, like, (laughs) you have to wrestle Kyle Snyder. (laughs) So as an aside, I had no idea that you covered Ohio State Wrestling when Kyle Snyder was there. So we will need to talk about this because I adore him so much. Amazing. Yeah, it it has to suck for all of those opponents. (laughs) Um, But also, like, what an interesting era. And this is a We'll have to put a pin in this for another day, but like with the changing NIL rules and Olympic athletes who are like young and going back to their universities, um, finally being able to benefit from their Olympic goals. Oh, right. Like going back to Kyle Snyder, I mean, he was not allowed to benefit from that. I mean, he was the, what, what, what did he, I forget like the milestone. He won everything. Yeah. If there was an opportunity to win it, he won it. And he did not benefit from that at all. That is wild. That's wild. But yeah, we'll put a pin in that because I feel like we have a lot to say about that. We haven't talked about it yet because I think I stopped recording before that took place, right? I think so. Um, Yeah. But anyway, moving on, I want to add to your watch list. So you need to watch King Richard. And then NBC is airing a documentary on Peacock starting January 23rd called Earning It NFL. Um, And it details the rise of several women in different positions in the NFL, including our favorite ref, Sarah Thomas, and positions Jennifer King and Lori Locus. It's going to be so good. This fortunately, this was on my watch list, on my radar, on my calendar. Um, <laughs> this, I'm so excited for this. Um, 
I think like we've talked about Sarah Thomas, I think maybe since like our first ever episode of this podcast. Um, yeah. But like just the rise of women in every spot in the NFL. Um, I saw that they're also going to feature some of the four women owners in the NFL. Um, obviously Jennifer King and Lori Locust. Um, yeah, I, I just can't believe, like, like I want to say there's opportunity for women to be part of this sport and not like, I don't want to say justice sideline reporters. Cause that's also a glass ceiling that we've broken recently, but like, you know, we can, we can really be anywhere on the field, off the field in the front office. And I think it's so cool that Peacock is highlighting all of these different groundbreaking women. Yes. I mean, it's proven that you do not have to have played the sport to coach in the NFL. And I know that most of the men coaching in the NFL have played, but like, where did they play? And did they even make it past high school football? You know, it, you just don't have to have played the sport. I know that's a huge argument um, for women. So I'm glad that we're over that for the most part. And I wanted to say it's about time that somebody is like airing a documentary about this, but I feel like women are starting to gain momentum starting now. So I guess this is the perfect time for this. Yep. And it was just a few weeks ago uh, in one of the last games of the NFL season that both Callie Brownson uh, for the Cleveland Browns and Jennifer King uh, were coaching their respective position groups. Callie uh, got moved to her position due to some COVID issues um, and she was coaching the running backs. But uh, the first time that two women coached position groups in the same week of the NFL season. Uh, so Amazing. lots of milestones. Hopefully next year we see a lot more. Oh, I think we will. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, however, it cannot be all good news and fun and games, especially down under. Uh, because speaking of Australia, <laughs> Novak Djokovic was deported. And yes, that is the word that is being used across the news media um, from Australia for violating the nation's vaccine protocols while he was on his way to play in the Australian Open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am married to an Australian, so we've talked about this a lot with his family who all lives there. And... um, I don't know if this is common knowledge, but Australia is incredibly strict about COVID. I mean, they just got out of like the serious lockdown, like what we were going through in like March 2020. They've been going through that up until very recently. Um, Not, and I'm pretty sure the majority of the people are just now also getting vaccinated. I think like just a few months ago, it was still only senior citizens. So take all of that into consideration. And then this man enters your country unvaccinated. And because he's a famous tennis player, believes he should be allowed in and playing. I know it's like a big event and it makes money for your country or for your state, but still it's like, I can see both sides, but when you've gone through that in Australia, you're like, no, get out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the ATP actually ruled that like he gave, they gave him an exemption from the tour. Um, but the issue was, as you mentioned with Australia um, and, you know, there's been so much written about this in the last few days since he was deported. And since kind of, he got, he was 
held basically um, in quarantine for a while while Australia figured out what to do with him. Um, and, you know, Djokovic, had, like, essentially he's always been sort of like out for himself, uh, very much like the individualistic player. Um, and in some ways that's great because it is tennis and he's been able to rise to the top of the sport, um, the kind of being this gold standard of male tennis lately. But then you juxtapose this with a global pandemic and with entering a country that you just very beautifully laid this background for. And it becomes a challenge when you think about like almost individual sports versus team sports. Team sports yeah, being exactly. Pandemic. Yeah. And again, like I know he's a, a huge attraction essentially. And people were probably coming from all over the country to see him play in the Australian Open. But, you know, a rule's a rule. Just because you're one of the greatest athletes in the world, Australia doesn't care. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. Um, we're nearly two years into this thing and we're still seeing new ways that the pandemic is impacting the sports world. But because we have to move on to something more positive and because we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs more after the break, uh, we will end this segment on a lighter note with more from our favorite former Ohio State transfer quarterback, Joe Burrow, <laughs> who seems really obsessed with his glasses. Uh, Tia, what do you think? On anybody else, absolutely not. But on Joe Burrow, like, yes, they're amazing. It's Joe Burrow. He can do what he wants. I don't care. <laughs> they're, like, giving me Justin Timberlake early 2000 vibes, but I don't know. The kid is just he can just pull off anything when he's done what he's done with the bangles. <laughs> yep. The glasses are so hot right now. I'm sure we will start to see all of the youths in Cincinnati wearing them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but it's for sure. Like the JT, like maybe just post in sync vibes. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can find a picture with at least one of the boy band members wearing them. We'll see if we can add one for the show notes. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we'll have more from the NFL coming up for you. But first, we're going to take a short break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, we're officially through the first weekend of the expanded NFL playoffs in what I have dubbed as the longest season ever. Um, what do we think of the 14-team playoff, Meredith? Okay, so there were I, – I feel like I loved it when the concept was first rolled out because as a fan of a franchise that rarely, if ever, makes the playoffs, I was like, oh, we're giving ourselves a greater opportunity um, to make the playoffs, uh, that didn't work out this year as I planned. Um, <laughs> however, in practice, like it kind of sucked. We saw a lot of blowouts, which don't get me wrong. I loved watching the bills like thump the Patriots, Yeah, but there was really only one game that was worth watching all the way through this weekend. And so, well, I guess two. The Bengals game was close enough to be interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it made for, I think, a less exciting opening round. Right. Which is like, I agree. I thought 
because I I like the concept of you lose and you're out. Like that's the only time I tune into the NBA playoffs. Like when you know, there's something in the balance. But I agree. It was like, I mean, Tampa and Philly. Like I think Cam and I turned that off in the second quarter. We're like, what are we watching here? <laughs> Sorry, girl. <laughs> I know. I was like, come on, Philly. No, it was I. I still follow so much of like Philly media and they were like convinced that Philly was going to the Super Bowl. And then oh, Tom Brady, oh, no. <laughs> Tom Brady, like I don't care who's injured on that team. It is Tom Brady. Shut up. <laughs> it's so rough. Um meanwhile, Tom Brady's old team. I Dave sent me these stats. So the Bills had zero punts, zero field goals, zero yeah. turnovers, and zero fourth downs for the first time in NFL history. Um, literally a perfect game That's from so the Bills. <laughs> and like, I think my favorite part of the game, like we like we had some folks over on Saturday and like we're kind of casually watching it and then we just muted it because we were like this is not a game anymore um and I turned around at one point in the fourth quarter and you just see Bill Belichick looking like Darth Vader because it was so cold (laughs) um like just being so surly on the sideline and like I have not watched his post-game press conference but I very much want to because I cannot imagine the level of sass oh my gosh I mean that's I know that the Patriots aren't as good as they were, obviously, but like, what happened? I didn't think that. I mean, right. I didn't expect the Bills to do that to like the Texans. <laughs> Sorry, Cam, but seriously, it's fine. It's still like the Patriots aren't that bad. Jeez. Yeah. Well, apparently the Bills are just getting. We'll call it getting hot at the right time. Um, but then kind of the last blowout of the weekend was Kansas City over Pittsburgh. It was the night game on Sunday night. Um, it was for all intents and purposes, Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Like he hasn't officially announced his retirement, but he's basically announced his retirement. Um, and you know, what a way to go out just getting utterly demolished by the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to go. Like. But the thing is, it's like, I don't even know. I know that they showed that video of like when they were officially who who were the teams that were like supposed to tie and then they didn't. And then they oh showed. Oh my gosh, the, the Raiders and the Chargers. Yes. What a disappointment. Oh my God, seriously. But they showed the video of Ben and he's like super happy and like shocked and stuff like that. But I feel like he just accepted that they weren't going to the playoffs and then he's like, Ah, shit. (laughs) I think it's just time for him to hang up the cleats. Yeah, so one of the other pieces coming out of this weekend is we may have seen Ben Roethlisberger play for the last time. Yeah. Which feels weird. I mean, not the best way to go out, but I, I like, I'm convinced that I feel like he checked out after the last regular season game. Like, I don't know if he genuinely thought they were going to go to the playoffs. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, between, like, the Raiders and Chargers antics and almost getting shut out entirely. And also, I feel like all of his 
like interviews and posts and stuff this past week have been like, oh yeah, no one expects us to win. So we might as well just have fun. I'm like, what yeah. is this? The Mighty Ducks? <laughs> right. And it's like, you do all the interviews and you've obviously made your decision, even though like, has he even formally announced anything? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, but he's obviously made his decision. So then you're coming out in this playoff game that, like, you're probably not going to win. And then, you know, he he was clearly checked out. In my opinion, I feel like people might argue Steelers fans are very aggressive. But I'm sorry, the man, he's done. (laughs) I mean, he was done last year. Um, This is true. You know, it's it's very interesting because, like, the first – I mean, of course there was talk about him retiring all season – but then it was when the Browns went to Heinz Field, it was like, well, this might be my last game here. And it was sort of like, is that how you announce your retirement? Right. No. Weirdo. This going to be something more formal. I don't know. Um, yeah. I am seeing in the show notes – Dak praised fans for throwing debris at refs. I had not seen this. Are you kidding me right now? This is a fun headline, especially because just this past Saturday, I was talking with my friend Jim about how Browns fans are responsible for the NFL not selling anything in glass containers anymore at stadiums (laughs) um, because of that one time in like 19... or 2002 or 2004, I don't remember when, uh, when we threw, I say we, I wasn't present. I was also like a child at the time. Um, when Browns fans threw glass bottles at refs for making a really dumb call. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we've certainly come full circle with Dak praising fans for throwing stuff at refs. I mean, like we have Philly fans throwing batteries at Dallas players. And I mean, it's not like uncommon. And then, I mean, are we even allowed to talk about what Buffalo fans were throwing on here? But like, <laughs> I don't know if you're listening or not. So I'm just going to roll on to the, I'm not even going to say it. Well, but, anyway, it happened. On to sadder things. Uh, I like just. I have to talk about this for a second because it's just so dumb. Like I was watching ESPN this morning and they kept showing over and over and over different teams doing what you're supposed to do in that scenario, which is to hand the ball to the ref immediately. Cam was like, you have no idea how many times the coach goes over that in team meetings every single day. It's like the golden rule. If you're almost out of time, you get the ball to the ref. So Dak trying to not take blame here is just a little bit, you know. Yeah. When I was sitting on the couch eating my pretzels, I also was thinking, what an idiot, but you know. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> anyway. No, certainly you're right. Uh it's a thing that he should have known. And obviously like in the heat of the moment, like, you know, we'll give him whatever deference we need to. But yeah, encouraging fans to be upset with refs because they followed the rules and he didn't is a little yeah. absurd. And I like Dak a lot. Like I love him, but I don't I don't like that one. <laughs> yeah. What's well, not to love, but yeah, this is <laughs> come on, you better. <laughs> In terms of, you know, less exciting stuff coming out of that game, uh Nick Bosa, I do not use the term getting his bell rung lightly because this was horrendous. I don't know if yeah, you saw the replay. I'm not even going to watch it. 
I can't handle those types of injuries. Yeah. And it was his own teammate. And like he, I mean, fortunately, it wasn't like Ryan Chazier a couple of years ago. Like he was moving right away and like he was moving all of his limbs. But it was a big hit. Um, they, he has not been officially ruled out for next week. Uh, he was ruled out of the rest of his game, obviously. Um, so certainly hoping for the best for him. Like, yeah. 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 His. NFL career has just been so unlucky and it's so unfortunate because he's incredible like oh good I want to see him in the playoffs this year so but obviously you know head injuries you don't mess with those yeah I was really I was also very excited for San Francisco but they're certainly a different team when Nick Bosa is not on the field but yeah with you know what we have seen coming out of the opening weekend of the NFL playoffs uh Tia who is your hot Super Bowl pick Ooh, ooh. Let me think. I I kind of want to go with the Bills. I don't. I feel like that that game gave them some momentum at the right time. Or I guess I I guess I want to say like they'll they'll be in the Super Bowl, but somehow some way the buccaneers are going to find their way in there and they're going to win i mean it's just it's just inevitable i want to say someone more creative but i i can't i'm going with tom brady okay thanos um <laughs> uh that's depressing um you're probably not wrong uh i'm going to go with the Bengals because oh my gosh, I was gonna say them too, but I I didn't want to be like just hopping on the Bengals bandwagon. I'm hopping on the Bengals bandwagon. It's fine. Um, well, I'm I'm just gonna say because I think I bragged on myself maybe every week since I made this pick because I feel so smart. But I did pick the like University of Cincinnati Bearcats um, for the college football playoff before the season started. Um, wow. So I'm going to continue hoping that Cincinnati yeah. brings me this year. Cincinnati like owes you something for that. <laughs> Especially yeah. one other hot take, speaking of the Bills, and I know that you love her. Uh, did you catch Mina Kimes' hot take on Josh Allen? I did. Yes. <laughs> and um, can we please just talk about like – well, okay, first of all, let's read the tweet. She tweeted, what's your goofiest sports take that you actually kind of believe? Mine is, if the Bills want to truly get the most out of Josh Allen, they got to build a dome. <laughs> Which, like, yeah. I mean, that place is impossible to play in. It was, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Buffalo fans, like, revel in the fact that it was negative six wind chill on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like, an edge for them, I guess, you know, against, like, anyone else, literally. (laughs) But can we please talk about the other hot takes that people replied with? Because these were killing me, and I agree with every single one of them except the punting one, because that would negatively affect me. (laughs) Please share them. (laughs) Okay, the punting one, which I'm reading the comments underneath this Instagram post, and all of them, majority of them, are like, the punning one makes so much sense. Like, everybody's okay. agreeing. Each NFL team should only be able to punt three times per game. Kind of like timeouts. Use them when you really need it. 
excuse me, that's the best part of the football game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but here, here is my personal favorite. And I have always said this. An NFL team that dedicated themselves to perfecting a wide variety of trick plays and then running those trick plays like 50 to 75% of the time would dominate. Okay, so here's <laughs> this is this is literally what the service academies do with the triple option. <laughs> they just screw with every other team that runs a traditional defense and they're like, we're literally not going to pass. We're going to run every single time. I mean, and like it's like the it's Rutgers. Like they they did that against us like two years ago, I think. And they played I mean they did not win, but they played their best game ever against us. Yeah, I gotta gotta give credit where credit's due. Yeah. <laughs> I think like the key word there is you have to master the trick plays because, you know, they they go wrong like 80% of the time. Um, a couple others in here is either hockey should eliminate the shootout or every time an NBA game needs more than one overtime, they should do a dunk contest to pick the winner. Oh my gosh. I love, that's so I love that. Scene. And then if a play being reviewed is cool enough, it should always count. <laughs> I love that one too. <laughs> Who's judging? Is this like at the end of dodgeball when like Chuck Norris gives the thumbs up? Yeah. And that's like how the play gets ruled. Okay. Um, ratings would go up. But, oh you know, gosh. my opinion. <laughs> this feels like a good time to wrap up. Um, before we end the show, uh, Tia, do you have any shout outs? Let's see. I would like to shout out you guys, everybody at Land Grant, because I miss you guys so much. You, Matt, Gene. Connor, everybody, I think you guys are doing so great. I always see, you know, your tweets and everything. And I'm like, I miss being there. And you for inviting me back on the show because it's been so fun. This has been the best Monday ever. Um, (laughs) So glad to have you back. Um, So I can't shout you out reciprocal. However, in my heart, I'm shouting you out. Um, (laughs) But I've got two for today. Uh, the first is to Tom Brady. I know, but he he did give. If everyone remembers the story from a few months ago, when the little kid had a sign that said "Tom Brady, help me beat cancer." Yes. Um. So forget it. it. Yeah. So Tom Brady is giving the kid and his family Super Bowl tickets. Oh, that video of him! Like the kid is speechless. speechless like he does not say a word while Tom Brady is telling him the news it's so cute I know oh I'm crying um and my other shout out uh is a heavenly happy birthday to the late great Betty White oh my god I know if you have any cash to spare Betty White was an amazing advocate for shelter pets um and there is a Betty White challenge today to donate five dollars to your local animal shelter. Um, so a small gesture to pay tribute to a larger than life woman, um, who shared a passion that both Tia and I care very very deeply about. Um, so again, I, I think it's hashtag Betty White challenge. If you're interested, she's a legend.
All right, that's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Tia at Tia Johnston underscore, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.